to have to really absorb this. <laughs> You know, um, it's always hard for me to be, sit here, and when I look at your faces, I feel the transmission of um, verified Buddhas and from all of you, and um, that gives me um, confidence to be here with all of you. Um, February, and it's a very cold day, and um, I feel that, uh, you know, this winter has been pretty um, mild in terms of the temperature, and yet, um, you know, it's still winter, and our body feels shriveled, at least mine, um, and I'm really craving for sunlight and today we have some sunlight. So um, I'm saving this fruits of um, um, lives. Uh, sun is our life. And we are living on this earth that the sun shines on and things grow and um, we have effects uh, from the source, the sun. And we're not different when we uh, appreciate that light and the warmth um, and bring it inside our body. And that becomes our body. Um, I feel that right now, because it's winter too, and you know, every single, um, I guess, uh, flexibility to open up our, our pores because of the tight muscles, and also nowadays I strongly feel that this sangha is stretching. Like it's really stretching in many ways. We are doing this work of um, undoing, which um, is not easy. It's um, really having this courage to um, go into places that you actually don't want to see. A lot of times we don't want to see how we oppress others. We don't want to see how we oppress ourselves. We, you know, as a, a um, gender-wise, could be race, class, age. Uh, there are so many kinds of the ways that we. Um, press in this world. And so um, to really look at how we do that is to really see clearly 
the pain that is real in our bodies. And that's the, the most difficult work that we're doing because it's so physical. You know, this practice is not intellectual practice. It is the physical practice. So you feel this heartache, you know, and you feel the tightness that comes of trying to protect yourself and your shoulders. Um, and the self, this sense of um, me, and this is the thing about our practice is that we talk about uh, how the self as I manifests in relentless ways. Every moment these things arises um, and we uh, see how we that separate ourselves, that sense of meanness, like mine, you're different than I am. I'm angry, I'm um, sad and resentful, or um, all these things um, are natural. We, you know, we live our lives and, and so many different um, ways that we manifest. Our conditions are all different, you know? And so we have assumptions about ourselves and each other and that gets in the way of seeing um, that actually uh, we, like sun and us, and earth and us, we are actually one thing. You know, we are intricately um, connected, and we breathe together. Um, okay, I'm going to start with this. So I have a lot of ideas, and this one is coming up, which is a repentance. So we just um, read this Eihei Koso Hotsugamon by Dogen, and repentance is a big thing here, right? The last um, paragraph, repenting in this way. One never fails to receive profound help from all Buddhas and ancestors. By revealing and disclosing our lack of faith, our lack of faith, our lack of faith is that faith that we are all Buddhas. In faith, we're all Buddhas and we enter Buddha's way. And when we lack this, that we are all Buddhas, then you suffer so much. So by revealing and disclosing our lack of faith and practice before the Buddha, we melt away the root of transgressions. The root of transgressions. The root of how I grasp who I am and who you are and we assume the 
stories in our head, right? I do that all the time with my partner. Every day, um, Brian, then, um, I have a story about him. I wake up and I have a memory and I have assumption about who this person is. So I wake up with that and, you know, it takes quite an effort to remember that, wait, I actually, I'm not quite sure if I know about this person. There are things that I don't know. To even remember that, it's, it's pretty challenging. So we melt away the root of transgressions by remembering this, that we're, um, the assumptions are temporary, the lives are impermanent. And the assumptions also are impermanent. By the power of our repentance, it says that we are able to do this. The power of repentance. Um, I have been repenting. And um, especially uh, because it's been so um, challenging to hear all the voices in the Sangha, because everybody has a different voice, especially around undoing work. And there are causes and conditions how you are, who you are, expressing yourself. But the ways that you express yourself and the ways that others, all of us, express together have uh, differences. And sometimes these differences um, cause harm, a lot of harm. So when we do this work, of um, opening up to all the voices here. It's really literally opening up a can of worms. I like this expression in English. Because it's kind of like, it's like, you know, can opener. And you're like opening the, like the whole can circumference. And then the last bit of it, and it pops. And it feels just like that. Right now, this sangha, to me, because it's popped, because we were all willing, right? Uh, Didn't know what was going to happen, but we were all willing to do this work together. So we, and some of you, you know, who are new to, actually, sorry, I have not asked who are new here today. Can you raise your hands? Okay. Wait, wait, don't, don't, don't drop yet. (laughs) I I didn't. Okay. Okay, so some, not, not too many today, which is, which is um, today's Saturday. But okay, usually we have more beginners. Um, but I'm kind of delving into our Sangha uh, communication here. But this is what you're going to actually bump into if you stay here, is that we are so eager to, to have opened this can of worms. And so we have popped it, and now what? You know, it's actually... We were so willing to do it, right? And it's horrible because it's a horrible smell. <laughs> you know? And 
all shapes and forms that comes out of this, this can unexpectedly because we thought that it would be a nice thing to do, you know? But in fact, it's painful because we see the pain of how we oppress others and how we oppress ourselves by being harmed by others. And so there's so many different ways of um, physical, right, physical pain, heartache. But it's necessary because that is how the repentance take form. That is how when you start to notice, wow, I didn't know that that was experience of this person. Oh, I didn't know that was the experience of that person. Wow. I actually kind of assumed that was that her or his or their experiences like this in my head. And I never really met that. I never really met um, how this person was um, part of this collectivity of all beings. So um, when we repent, the first thing is that we acknowledge. We acknowledge that we actually violated the precept. Um, So people who don't know what precepts are, precepts are... um, Kind of like, uh, kind of like commandments. Um, however, I can't say that because I'm, I don't really know what commandments are myself. <laughs> I don't come from that that background, um, but I hear it, and it's basically very basic things like don't lie, don't kill, don't um, speak false of others, don't um, intoxicate yourself and on and on and on. Actually, would you like to hear it? <laughs> I did write it down, and I, I, I knew that I was going to really have to take time here up here to, to remember them, so I wrote it down. And it's um, misuse sexuality. Do not praise self at the expense of others. Um, don't steal. Don't uh, harbor ill will. And this one is a, a tricky one. Um, for me, at least it has been, because it's not saying that you shouldn't be angry. It says, don't harbor ill will. So that means that don't indulge and grow this ill will, the hate or anger. Um, do not be possessive. Do not disparage three treasures, which are the three treasures in this um, tradition, is Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Buddha Buddha is an awakening quality that um, we all practice. Um, together. Um, towards awakening. 
And when we practice together, that practice itself is awakening. Um, so that's that. And what was I talking about? Dharma. Dharma is um, teaching, Buddha's teaching. And Sangha is the community of practitioners. So don't disparage three treasures. And I think that that's it. So those are the ten grave um, precepts that we have. And we have other six um, other precepts as well. Uh, three refuges, which are that I take refuge in Buddha, I take refuge in Dharma, I take refuge in Sangha. And three more um, precepts called uh, three pure precepts, which is uh, number one, um, seize from evil. Seize from evil. So um, this is kind of connected to repentance because first to seize from evil, and when we say evil, it's not like um, right and wrong kind of evil, but evil in a sense that is not affirming life. So um, how are you not affirming life? That is a question for this pure precept. And that is connected to repentance because without acknowledging how you harm and not support life, right? The repentance does not come if you can't see that within yourself. The third pure precept, oh, the second, did I go second pure precept? No, not yet, okay. The second one is to do good, okay, to do good. So to do good um, Interesting. There's so many different ways to say this. And if you're interested, please go to the library because there's this book that has all different interpretations of pure precepts. Um, to do good, for me, is to um, walk towards the Buddha way. Um, and the last one is um, to live for the benefit of all beings. It's pointing to the collectivity, um, uh, supporting life um, collectively as human race and beyond human race. So those are the um, precepts. And basically, the repentance comes from, in our um, way of practicing, the repentance comes from very simple. Basically, it's saying, I'm very sorry. You know? I'm sorry that I couldn't see it that way. I'm sorry that I couldn't relate to you that way. I didn't know this, that was your experience. I never knew so, please um, teach me. May I learn from you? You know, because we're all so different in this room and practice. So, um, that is the heart of repentance. 
And um, let's see. Dido Lori. Who knows Dido Lori? Okay, some, some people, a lot of people actually. Um, he's, a, he's passed already. He's the founder of um, Fire Lotus, which is the, uh, here in Brooklyn. It's Rinzai uh, Temple. His book um, called Heart of Being, I found this passage about um, repentance. Well, actually, he doesn't use repentance, um, but actually taking a responsibility, he says. So when you um, repent, it's the beginning of taking responsibility. When you become aware that you have violated a precept, just acknowledge the fact. Acknowledgement means taking responsibility. And that plays a key role in our practice. If you do not practice taking responsibility, you're not practicing. Without repentance, we're not practicing. It has to do only with you and your own integrity, being honest with yourself about your practice. Only you know when you have actually violated a precept. And only you can be at one with that violation. To be at one with it means to take responsibility. Here's an interesting um, sentence. To take responsibility is to acknowledge yourself as master of your life. To take responsibility empowers you to do something about whatever it is that is hindering you hindering you to fully be who you are, fully uh, manifest the goodness, the wholesomeness of who you are. As long as we blame, as long as we avoid or deny, We remove from the realm of possibility the power to do something about our lives. There's not reason we should be subjected to anything when we have power to see that we are the creator of everything. So to acknowledge that simple fact that you are taking, you're going to take a responsibility to take possession of the precepts, to make the precepts our own, to give life to the Buddha. So for people who, are, um, who have not practiced precepts in this lineage, um, we uh, practice precepts not from a place of right or wrong, per se, a place of um, being, uh, it's like a, a, 
practice opportunity to be completely open to how it feels without that concept of good and evil. So, um, for example, if do not lie. It's not saying that it's bad to lie, that it's good to lie. But it's actually pointing to each person what is your own experience when that happens, whether you're lying or whether you're not lying. Because nobody can tell. You can tell, but nobody can. So that is your original, we call it original face. What is your original face? What is most, what's arising in your whole body? And this is the difficult practice because we all think here a lot, right? But it's not this here. How about your whole, whole, whole body? You know, how, how does that feel when you lie or when you not lie? You know, and, and so these are sort of like, a, um, don't really have answers, all these precepts. Do not lie. Do not intoxicate. So... Are you really intoxicating yourself right now? You can be intoxicating yourself with your thought. You can be intoxicating yourself um, with anything. You know, alcohol is is kind of easy thing in that you know what pops up um, in the surface. But there's so many different ways that we intoxicate our time, our feelings, um, our senses. So what about you? What about now? So it's like precepts are like koans. The koans, um, this is also a term, Zen term. Uh, It's like a a, a riddle that point to awakening, that point to your original face, your Unique experience. You're the master. And um, isn't it exciting? Is it exciting? Because <laughs> you have the choice, you know. You have a choice to repent. And it's hard. You know what's so hard most of the time is to say that to yourself. Of course, to say to others as well, but to actually really able to say that to your own um, the ways that you oppress yourself. And this uh, last sentence really appeals to me, evokes me, um, something in me just to um, acknowledge that simple fact, right, to take responsibility, is to take possession of the precepts, to make the precepts our own, and to give life to the Buddha. And this has been something that I'm kind of chewing on. Um, You know, 
precepts. So to make precept your own, yes, to make precepts is to come from this your own experience, and yet there's something um, I have been uh, kind of inquiring about precepts, the relationship that we have with precepts. Um, how precepts, when we practice precepts and we go with, with our practice, we go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. How to explain this? How to make the precept into your blood and flesh? Although the, the precepts are just actually words, right? These definitions of killing and uh, lying and, you know, all these are words. And yet, how do you make the precept your own body? And that, to me, is a very evoking image. And... Um, Suzuki Roshi, the founder of this lineage, our lineage, um, in America, um, he says that the precepts are one precept. Actually, the 16 precepts are all actually one. And what keeps coming back to me is this word. This morning I was thinking, you know, I, I don't know how to express this. And that, what pops, pops up for me is this word, and I didn't really know so much about this word, but it pops up in English. Because sometimes I know this word in English, but I don't really quite know the meaning of it. And it this word was consecrate. Am I pronouncing it right? Consecrate. Consecrate, yes, consecrate. And I don't know why it popped up. So I looked it up, and it meant basically to make something sacred in religious context to make the blood, no, no, to make the wine and the bread, the blood and the um, body of Christ, right? So precepts are something like that. You know, by wholeheartedly practicing the precepts, what's really happening is this consecration, okay, Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> the consecration, you know, we practice and we chew on it, right? We chew on the precepts, that's right, we chew, chew on the precepts, five minutes, thank you. And it becomes, you know, it pops in your mouth, you appreciate the texture, you inquire, you explore with your tongue, the smell, shape, and then it doesn't stay there. It goes in into your blood and it makes who you are. So precepts are kind of like that. Mysterious. When you practice it, it, it becomes your body. Body of Buddha. Right? And the body of Buddha also practice the precepts. So it comes both ways. The Buddha and the precepts together. Okay, five more minutes. Good. (laughs) 
So um, I want to end, actually, I want to end with this one because, and I, I mean, I guess I, I want to, you know what, I'm just going to use this quote from Dogen because this one we all know if you've been here for, um, I think, maybe one, one year. Uh, this is very f- um, important sutra by Dogen called Actualizing the Fundamental Point. At the very end of it, we all love this one, right? He's talking about the nature of wind. Nature of wind is permanent. But what he's really talking about is this, for me, the consecration. Because the nature of wind is permanent, the Buddha nature, right, our awakened quality, that, that we are um, all waking up together, listening to each other. Because of that, the wind of the Buddha's house brings forth the gold of the earth and makes fragrant the cream of the long river. So we're the long cream of the long river and we're the gold of the earth. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.